Well, good evening. How's it going? Get some light. There we go. Warming up. Um, I can't see a thing out there. Um, can I get that outside? There we go. Now we're talking. Hey, how's it going? How's everybody? Man, my name's Billy. If you don't know me, uh, I'm our pastor from over at our Vidalia campus. Uh, and man, I'm so excited to be here tonight. Um, Michael has been a good friend to me for quite some time. When we started our campus over in Vidalia, uh, Michael actually played music and led worship for us. And uh, man, me and him have, have been friends for so long and been praying for you for so long um, that it's just so cool to finally uh, see the fruition of all the uh, prayer come, come to speak. And so I just want you to know you guys have an incredible pastor. Um, I trust him with all of my heart. Um, I love him. Him and Savannah are great friends, and I just want y'all to know y'all are in great hands um, to do that. So today is an exciting day. Um, we are launching our 412 uh, reading plan, right? So the thing that overwhelms you when you pick it up with the small writing on it in your seat, I want you to pick that up and look at it for a minute. Uh, it's not as overwhelming as it looks. Um, we had to squeeze as much as we could on, on one sheet of paper. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about what this is about um, our church believes that the most important thing um, that we can do for you, that we can ask of you outside of salvation, is to ask you to spend time in God's Word, to spend time with God in His Word. And, uh, and, and that's what this is all about. And so all of our campuses for the rest of the year, uh, all of our small groups are going to rally kind of around this as well, um, called Connect Groups. If you're not in one of those, that's a great opportunity to do that. Um, and we're going to read through the New Testament for the rest of this year. And, and so it, uh, it starts tonight, um, is, is your first night. So we'll start in Matthew, and by the end of uh, this year, we'll be all the way in Revelation. And so, uh, and that's what I want to talk to you guys uh, really about tonight, um, is why reading the Bible is such a big deal. And so um, if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, that's where we'll be. That's actually what the reading plan is named after, 412, Hebrews 412. We're not as smart as we think we are. So um, anyway, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here. God, I thank you for the opportunity to just open your word, uh, God, and to just have an opportunity to hear from you tonight. God, I know uh, there's so many different people in this room that come from different uh, places and living different lives. Uh, some people are in a good place with you. Some people uh, may be in a not so good place with you. Um, but tonight, God... I just want them to know that there's hope, God, and I pray that you would speak directly to them and know that there's hope, God, and, and that you love us and that you have a plan for our life, God, that you um, created us for a purpose, and that purpose is to know you. God, and the only way for us to know you is through your word. So God, I just pray tonight as we look at this and, and talk about the importance of your word, God, that you would do something in our hearts, God, that you would move us toward the discipline of reading your word every day and asking, and, and, and just coming to know you more. So God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So why is the reading the Bible such a big deal? Um, I, I think for a few reasons, uh, reading the Bible is, is a huge deal, and, and I, I, I don't say that lightly when I say if there's one thing um, that I could ask you to do, that Michael could ask you guys to do, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it would be to read your Bible. It would be to spend time with God in your Bible because the power that comes with that, I'm telling you, this book is not just a book. This is a living, breathing, active 
word of God. God spoke and things happened, right? Even from the very beginning, when God spoke, what happened? The stars put in the sky, uh, land separated from water, uh, heavens and earth were formed. God's word is so powerful. And the thing that we hold in our hands when we open this book is God's word, right? And so when, when it's so important for us to understand that is that there's absolutely nothing um, that, that is, is more effective in our lives, right? This is not uh, primarily a book about how to have a better marriage or how to be a better you or um, how to raise your kids. All those things are, are in here, but God's primary purpose in the Bible is, is that the thing that's going to change all those things in your life is you coming to know God. And the way we come to know God is through his word. And I think that's so important um, for us. And I, I don't make guarantees about many things as a preacher. I've learned not to do that. Um, but I will make you a guarantee tonight. And my guarantee is that if you take this reading plan and you commit yourself to spend time in God's word every day for the rest of this year, I promise you when you show back up here on this same date next year, you will not be the same. God will do something in your heart. He will change you. He will invigorate your faith. And he will make you into who he wants you to be. And that's what happens when we spend time in God's word. Now, I'll just put a disclaimer on here. This is not to make you feel guilty if you miss a day of reading, right? So I know y'all think like I think. I started a reading plan 100 times, and I get about to Leviticus, and I'm like, my God, I'm done with this, you know? And, but here's the great thing. We're not going through the Old Testament yet. We'll do that next year. This year, sticking to the New Testament where you guys can understand uh, real good and we can understand and if you miss a day, here's the cool thing. It's only a chapter a day, um, and you can kind of pick up from there and just continue um, to move on and on. And so here's how I want to start off tonight. I got um, a couple things I want to say to you, and then I want to propose three questions to us uh, tonight. And so here's the first thing I want to do. I want to read some promises from the Word of God about the Word of God. And so here's what I want you to know. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is how God explains what His Word is. Listen to this, verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It says the Word of God is living and it is active. What does that mean? I want you to think about that. That means that this Bible is not a normal book, right? There's, when you pick up the Bible, you're not picking up uh, Great Expectations or something you read in school, or you're not picking up Moby Dick, or you're not picking up the, the latest New York uh, bestseller. You're not picking up those things. You are picking up a living, breathing Word of God. And, and that's the greatest thing when you open this is it's living. What does it mean that it's living? It means that God himself's power rests upon this book. It's why me as a preacher, my job's pretty easy. All I have to do is expose what the word of God says to you guys. He does the work. I'm just kind of the mailman, so to speak. You know, it's, it's really the greatest news in all the world. And the thing I love about living is, you know, when the Bible talks about the word of God, it actually uh, says that the word, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, right? And then it goes on to say uh, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us in John chapter 1. And what it means is that when you pick up the word of God, it's as if Jesus has become on pages. It's as if, because what he's done is he's actually written a book to you and I. 
And what it has the power to do is it has the power to meet you exactly where you are. I, I never forget um, the times when I feel like God has spoken into my heart when I needed him the most. I was sitting down by myself, opening the word of God and focused on him. And in that moment, I, I felt God speak to my heart. I, I knew that God was telling me, hey, this is what you need to do. Billy, I love you. Billy, this is my purpose for your life. And I'm telling you, if you will make a commitment to spend time alone with God in his word, God will do the same for you. I love that he says not only is the word of God living, but it's active. What does it mean that it's active? That means that active means that it does not stay the same, right? It does not just sit in one place. It's moving, right? It's active. It's alive. And that's the thing that I tell you. If you spend time with God, learning and knowing God through his word, you will not be the same. That's why I can make you the guarantee that I made you, that if you spend time with God through his word, you will not be the same when you finish. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is Paul talking. He says, listen, there's a pattern that this whole world is living by. And he says, listen, if you want to know what God wants you to do, he says, do not conform to that pattern. The way the world's going, that isn't the way that I've called you to go. I've called you to go a different way. But in order for you to walk in the way that God wants you to walk, he says, listen, you have to have your mind renewed. Why do we need our minds renewed so much? Because here's the deal. Each and every one of you guys, including myself, we are on autopilot to be selfish and to live our lives in sin, right? That's the bad news of the gospel, right? The bad news of the gospel is that every one of us is born into sin. That means that uh, my son will. I don't have to train him to, hey, you're not supposed to touch that electrical outlet. You know, if I bring him in here, where's he walking? Straight to that electrical outlet just because I told him not to, right? And so what happens with us is when we're born into sin is that we have this natural inclination, this, this natural tendency in our life, this autopilot to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Right? But God says, listen, when you become a follower of Jesus, when I put my Holy Spirit inside of you, you now have desires to honor me. But listen, you still think like you're a lost person. You still think like a sinner. You still want to do what you want to do. And so I need to renew your mind so that you can begin to live the life that I've called you to live. How, is, how does God renew our mind? Through his word. Right? I want you to think about Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness, right? When, when, when God sent him into the wilderness so he could be tempted, so that he could uh, be a mediator for, for us, so that he could uh, understand what we were going through and he could be, live the perfect life that we couldn't live and die the death that we deserve to die. When Satan came to him, how did he defend himself against Satan? How did he combat Satan from trying to get him and knock him off his path? He knew the word of God. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, when Satan came in as a serpent and he came up to Adam and Eve, what did he say? How did he try to trick them? How did he try to get them off the path that God wanted them to be? He said, did God really say? He, he wanted them to question the word of God. And that's the same thing that, that, that that's why we have to know God's word. That's why God's word is so important in our life. I want you to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Listen to this. It says, this is incredible. It says, but as for you, I want, to I want you to continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these from whom you learned it, and how, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. That's why we teach the Word of God in, in Connection Kids back there, 
which are able to make you wise for salvation. What does the word of God do? It, it makes us wise for salvation because it says salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10 says that, that faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. That's how it happens. So how do we know how, how to be saved? We know through the word of God. It all revolves around the word of God. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful. A better word for that is profitable. What's it profitable for? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that what? The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is profitable to you and I. It's not only profitable to teach us, right? Here's the thing is, is, is uh, a good quality to have is to be teachable. One of the things that I've learned as a Christian is that, you know, when I first got saved, I, I thought I knew a lot more than I knew. And I thought I was a lot better than I was because, you know, people tend to like to brag on a preacher and sometimes you, you believe it. Um, but I'm just as messed up as anybody else. You know, the thing that I've figured out about uh, Christianity and beginning to look at Christ is the more I look at Christ, the more I realize just how messed up and jacked up my heart and my, my thoughts are um, and how much of a hold sin has on my life. But here's the thing I, I know, is that when I look into the Word of God, when God is teaching me something, He's teaching me something for my good. He loves me. He wants what's best for me. He has plans for my life, and He wants to move me forward. But not only does He teach me, He rebukes me, right? So sometimes when I read this Word, <laughs> it's not easy because God's like, dude, what you're doing is sinful, and it's against me. Like, what are you doing? You're, you know, and He doesn't call me an idiot, but that's what I feel like. You know, because, I mean, he'll step on your toes if, if you get, if you spend time in his word. But listen, he's rebuking us because he loves us. Because right after he rebukes us, the Bible says he corrects us. Right? So it's, it's literally as if uh, he's rebuking you. Son, don't go play in the street. Now, hey, come play over here. Because here leads to life. Here leads to destruction and death. Right? And lastly, he says it's profitable for you and I because it trains us in righteousness. What does that sound like? Training, it, it sounds like a soldier, right? A soldier before they go out in, co in combat has to be trained. Why do they have to be trained? Is because for us to be useful as a servant of God, we need training, right? Because listen, in a very real way, when God sends us out into the world, we're going out into a combat zone, right? Satan is not happy that we're trying to move the gospel forward. Actually, the last thing that Satan want us, wanted us to do in Pooler is plan a church, right? And so here's the thing that you guys are going to see that we've seen in Vidalia already is, is that Satan is not happy that you guys are here trying to share the gospel and show an accurate picture of God through community. He's not happy about that. And so what happens is he's going to try to figure out ways to get in here and mix and mingle and, and, and try to get you to take your eyes off of the main thing. Right? It's why so many times at our church we say it's all about Jesus because, listen, if we ever take our eyes off of Jesus, we've allowed Satan to do exactly what he wants to do. If we ever become a place where Jesus is not the focus, where it's about this group of people or this person's better than this person or, you know, it's about Michael or it's about the worship or uh, it's about we're the coolest church, if it's anything about that, if it's not about Christ— then Satan has done exactly what he wants to do. Because when we read this Bible, every verse in this Bible points to one thing. From the beginning, it points to us needing to be reconciled to God through, through Christ. 
at the end. He says, don't add anything to this because this is sufficient. Because every word in it points us to the necessity of Christ. The purpose of the church is the mission of God to take the necessity of Christ to the ends of the earth. That's what we're here to do. John 1, as I just said, while ago, uh, is that the word of God, it it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Listen to me. How many of you guys have read Psalm 119 before? Has anybody read that? That's the longest chapter in the Bible. You know, it's the one you always skip, the one I always skip. You know, that's kind of how I am. Like, it's like, ah, oh, I got to do my reading. Ah, oh, it's too long. Let's go to the next. So anyway, I, if you ever notice, there's a reason that God put Psalm 119 in the very middle of the Bible. And there's a reason it's so long. Because it's actually David talking about the importance of the Word of God. And if you read that, it's so convicting when you read it because... David said, listen to some of the things that he says. In in Psalm 119, David says things like this. He says, God, I long for your word. I I long for your word. That means like I crave it more than I crave anything else. It's like a, I don't know how many of you guys enjoy food. It's like a a craving for your favorite food. uh, David says, I long for this. It keeps me from sin. I meditate on your law day and night. That means I never quit thinking about it day and night. He says, listen, it's like the sweetest honey to my lips. It's more precious than silver and gold. David says, listen, if somebody laid a million dollars right here and they laid the word of God over here, I'd choose the word of God because it's more precious to me than silver and gold. That's not me. That's not me. Do you see the word of God that valuable? Is the word of God that valuable to us? When you read Psalm 119 over and over, David says, God, thank you. You've preserved my life through your word. The difference between us and David, a man after God's own heart, is he saw the importance of God's word as a life and death thing. For him, it was if I choose God's word, if I'm I'm pursuing God through his word, then I'm choosing life. Then, then God's going to lead me to life. But if I choose not to pursue God through his word, then I'm following a, a lifestyle and I'm, 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 I'm leading myself and it's only going to lead me to one place, which is destruction. A lot of people want to follow God, but they don't want to follow the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible sometimes disagrees with us. But here's the truth. A God that doesn't disagree with us is us, ourself, right? And so what most people like to do is they say, yeah, I want to follow God. Billy, I'm a, I love, I'm a Christian. Well, tell me about the word of God. Tell me about, you know, what it says, because it's not matching your lifestyle. Like you're living this way, but you claim this way. Well, that doesn't apply to me. It was different. No, here's the thing. The God of the Bible is good, The God of the Bible sees the big picture. The God of the Bible loves you. The God of the Bible understands you. The God of the Bible knows why he created you and what you're created to do, what's going to satisfy you, what's going to fulfill you. When he says, hey, you need to walk this way, walk away from that, avoid these things, don't do this, do this, look to me, I'm with you, I'll fight this for you. He says that because he loves you. And we got to continue to remember that when we, when we dive into the Word of God. So if all this is true, I want to ask you three questions. 
If the word of God is that good, hopefully if I've done my job, you guys are motivated like, Billy, man, I need the word of God. So my question to you is why don't we read the Bible? Here's a statistic for you. In 1991, when America was polled, 45% of Americans read their Bible once a week. Most of that is at church because that's a lot of the one time that they open the Bible. In 2009, 46%. So we moved up a little bit, right? We're doing pretty good. Almost half of us were reading our Bible once a week. In 2016, which is the, the, the closest statistic to now, 33% of people in America read their Bible at least once a week. And remember, that's including church. And not only that statistic, but 49% of those people are elders, people who are age 50 and up. If you're age 50 and up, I'm not calling you old. That's just how the statistics work. And 24% of those were millennials. So the majority of people in this room, if statistics are right, only 24% of us read our Bible once a week. So why don't we read our Bibles? That's a question I've been asking myself all week. I've been talking to people, all the guys that I meet with, disciple, and, you know, a lot of folks in our church. Why don't we read the Bible? I've heard everything from laziness to it's difficult to understand to busyness. Billy, I just get distracted. I just don't understand. I don't know how to fit it in to uh, Billy, man, I, when I think about the Bible, it just, I, condemnation hits me. Like, I feel like God's going to yell at me because I haven't read. And when I want to start a read, start to read, or if I, I read the Bible, then I know it's going to tell me something that I don't want to hear. And the, the, one of the best answers that I heard is, is, is this, a lady uh, in Chick-fil-A, just randomly, I asked her a question. Uh, yeah, I'm the weird guy in Chick-fil-A asking questions to people. Um, but it's Christian chicken, right? I can ask Christian stuff, so... <laughs> Um, they hadn't run me off yet. So anyway, I asked her, I said, you know, why do you think people don't read the Bible? And she just said, I think people, I think people, when they look at the Bible, they see a book. They don't see the God behind the book. And I thought that was so profound because I think so many times in my own time with God, I, I missed the point of why I'm reading the book. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But ultimately, I believe the reason we don't read the Bible is because we don't want to read the Bible. And you heard that in the video. And I believe that's true. I believe we don't want to read the Bible because of two things. One, we don't value the Bible. So it's not valuable to us because if it was valuable to us, we'd make time for it and we'd prioritize it, right? It's just normal. I know that from my own life. If I value something, then I'll make time for it. I love my wife. <laughs> I love my kid. They're valuable to me. So I sacrifice everything for them. It's the same thing. If I, if I see value in the word of God, then I will love and sacrifice everything for time with God through his word. That's one option. The second option is that we don't feel like we need it, right? Which is just pride in us, right? I've been there too, where uh, it's like, man, I've, I've, you know, I've, been in, I've been in church enough. I've got enough of the Bible. I got everything I need to go. So then I just start doing the whole church thing and, and trying to, you know, quote scripture when I know scripture, if I don't know scripture. But Time with God has just lost his importance because I feel like I got it on my own, right? Both of those, I think, are equally as dangerous places for us to be in. And so the question is, is, is this. So my second question is this. If the reason we don't read our Bible is because we don't want to read our Bible because it's not valuable to us, then why is reading the Bible valuable? Right? It's a great question. Glad you asked it. The first reason that I believe that the, the Bible is valuable is this, that the Bible is how we know God. 
right? The Bible is how we know God. This is the most, this is the most profound truth that we'll ever come to know in this world. God created every person in this room. God created every person in this, this world. Every person that you come to contact with in Pooler, Georgia, Savannah, Chatham County, wherever you're at, God created that person for one purpose. And that purpose is to know him, to be in a relationship with him. That's why he created us. But what's happened in this world is we just constantly look to other things to try to fulfill us that this is why I'm here. Maybe this is why I'm here. But God's as clear as this book writes it is we're created for one purpose. And that purpose is to know God. And there's only one way to know God. It's through faith in Jesus, which comes through the word of God, hearing the word of God. And so if every person in this room was created to know God and the only pathway to knowing God is through his word, then how important should reading the Bible be to us? John chapter 17, verse 3 says this, eternal life is to know God. Jesus, God, what is eternal life? Is it about heaven? Is it about the streets of gold or the mansions that we're going to get to go up into and, and you know, all this, this big feast that we get to go to? God says, no, eternal life you can actually experience eternal life now because eternal life is to know God because people don't go to heaven because they're scared of hell. People go to heaven because they love and want to know God, right? If you don't want to know God, then heaven's probably not where you want to be because that's what heaven is going to be all about. Eternal life is to know God. The second reason I believe reading the Bible is valuable is this. The Bible is how we connect to God's plan for our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. You and I were, are God's workmanship. We're his handiwork. We're his artistry. We, 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 God created us for good works that he's prepared for us to walk in beforehand. That means that God, when he created you and I, not only did he create us to know God, but he, seeing the big picture, seeing Billy Shiver, my life, he looked and he said, listen, I got some good works that I want, that what I want Billy to, to walk in. And I've created him to know me. And when he knows me, he can walk in this plan and he can impact people for eternity. And that's what I've created him to do. He can know me and impact people for the rest of eternity. Here's what you need to know. God loves you. And God wants you to walk in a relationship with him. And God's prepared good works for you to walk in before the foundations of the earth. But listen, if we're not following the God of the Bible, if we're not pursuing Christ, if we're not connecting to Jesus, then we will miss the good works that he's prepared for us. Listen, God, has, God wants to impact people for eternity through you, right? God's plan for your life may not be his plan for my life. It may not be for you to stand up here on stage and preach to people and talk to people and do it that way. His plan for you may be to go into a business or to go into a gym or to go into whatever you do in your everyday life and impact the person that's right next to you. Have you ever thought that maybe that person that God's put in there that you're scared to talk to is a person that God's working in and he wants to work in you and in that person and the way he wants to reconcile that person to himself and change that person for eternity is you and what God's done in your life. But listen, I will tell you, if you're not in this word, you will never have the boldness to do that. Never. 
Because when you read this word, guess who that work is dependent on? It's not dependent on you. You're just stepping into what God's already doing in that person's life. Right? The Bible says we need to look for where God's moving and we just need to kind of get in the way. And that's how people happen. God has a plan for your life. The Bible and reading the Bible, spending time with God is how we connect to that. The third reason is this. The Bible is the one foundation that we can build our lives on that will not fail. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus tells this story. And he says there was a foolish man and he says there was a wise man. And he says there was only one difference between the foolish man and the wise man because both of them thought that they were wise. He says the foolish man heard the word of God and he didn't do what it said. He says that man was like a guy who built his house and he built this immaculate house. It looked great. The problem was is it was built on a foundation of sand. And so when the winds came and the waters flood and the hurricane and the storm and all that came, it says the house just collapsed and fell because it had not been built on the rock. He says the wise man heard the word of God and he did what the word of God said. He was spending time with God in his word and he was doing what God told him to do. And he says when the winds and the floods came on that person's house, guess what? It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Why is the word of God valuable? Because it's the only thing that we can build our life on that at the end of the day, nothing can take it away from us. Nothing can knock it out from under us. God doesn't miss anything. If I build my house on money, if I build my house on sports, or if I build my house on my family, or if I build my house on all these things, things can take those away from me. That can be taken away in an end, in a minute. But when I build my house on God, it cannot be taken away. I want you to think about this. When God tells you things in the Bible, when God says to flee sexual immorality, sexual immorality is anything outside, any sexual conduct outside of marriage. It can be a mindset. It can be you living with somebody outside of marriage. It can be pornography, whatever it is. That steps on a lot of our toes because we live in a society where sexual immorality is, is pretty much accepted, right? Maybe not in the church, but in everywhere else, it's accepted. Well, God says we need to flee sexual immorality. So that means not just stay away from it. It means turn away and run, right? Don't even have a hint of sexual immorality among you is what he says. And so when we hear that, what we got to remember is that when God tells us something, he doesn't ask us to do something because he wants to take away something from us that is, is, is valuable to us, right? God's not trying to spoil your day. God says, when I look at Billy's life and I look at where I want him to be and I look at the plans I have for him, they go this way and they don't involve sexual immorality because those are gonna have a devastating effect on his life and so he needs to turn from that and he needs to pursue me so that he can be exactly who I need him to be to do exactly what I've called him to do, right? When God tells us things in scripture, uh, such as, I mean, just think about when he says that we need to forgive others, forgive others as I've forgiven you. Why does he tell us that? He doesn't tell us that because uh, people haven't wronged us, right? God understands he was betrayed by his closest friends, 
God tells us that because he knows if we walk and allow bitterness to just soak up in us, it's going to destroy us. And God loves us. And he says, listen, Billy, I don't want you to walk in bitterness because bitterness is going to lead you somewhere you don't want to go. Same way sexual immorality will lead you, lead you there. When God says, Billy, you need to be generous. You need to give your money away. You need to give to the poor. You need to give to the church. You need to give to the mission of God. When he tells me that, he doesn't tell me that because he wants me to live a poor lifestyle. He tells me that because he knows money's the number one competitor for my heart. And if I don't give it away, it's most likely going to control me. And I'm going to begin to live for money. And guess where that's going to take me? To a place where I don't want to be. When God tells us things, he tells us things because he loves us. We have to understand that when we read the Bible. It helps us read it for all it's worth. The third question is, how do we read the Bible for all it's worth? That's a great question. I got to hurry. Three things I want to share with you. How do we read the Bible for all it's worth? The first thing is this. We got to read it to know God. Do not miss the point of reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is not just uh, to grow a wealth of knowledge, right? For so long in the church, if somebody knows a lot about the Bible, then they are a mature believer. Um, That is not true. Uh, A mature believer is not just somebody who knows the Bible. It's somebody who lives the Bible, right? It's, it's, It's a doer. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. That's what God wants for us. And so many times when we read the Bible, we're not thinking about the person behind the Bible. Uh, Think about it like this. God designed the Bible specifically to not be about you and I. You ever thought about that? So the central figure in in scripture is not you and me. It's not you and I. We're We're not the central people. The central person is God. Why would he do that? Again, he loves us. And he knows that the greatest discovery that we'll ever make in this life is that when we figure out that life is not about us, right? Because God says when we lose life, we actually find life. So he says, when I connect you to this book and you begin to know me through your word, what you'll figure out is that a life lived for me is way more satisfying and fulfilling than a life lived for you because you weren't created to live for you. You were created to live for me. And no matter how much of an oxymoron that sounds like, I'm telling you, that's the truth of the Bible. That's the truth of Scripture. And that's the truth and the fulfillment and the satisfaction that I've found in life is that the more I give myself away, the more I sacrifice myself for something greater than myself, the more fulfillment and joy that I have. The second reason, the second way we read the Bible for all it's worth is we got to understand how to read the Bible. And, And this is huge. Uh, And this is what our connect groups are all about. If you're not in a connect group, this is what connect groups about is is learning how to read the Bible to hear from God. Uh, And and this is a huge thing. And so I want to ask Thomas to put me up a little uh, slide right here. Let's see if he he did that. There we are. Look at it. Um, All right. And so when you're reading the Bible, this is uh, we cover this in our heart and soul class. So if you're not been if you haven't been through heart and soul, this is something that you'll you'll talk about in there. Um, But here's the thing. How do we read the Bible? Here's the thing you understand. The Bible was actually not written to you, right? So when when Paul wrote down and set and he penned 2 Timothy, when the Holy Spirit through Paul penned 2 Timothy, he wasn't writing to Billy Shiver in 2018 in Vidalia, Georgia, right? So in order for me to understand the Bible and to get what I'm supposed to get out of it and to be able to get it, I need to follow a process, right? I got to understand that I'm an audience, right? So uh, the Bible was not written to me, so I'm an outward audience. 
And so what I got to do is I got to jump into the, con the context of what's going on. So I need to know, okay, when Paul wrote to, second, uh, to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, he was writing to a young pastor named Timothy who was in a situation where he was pastoring a church and he didn't really know what he was doing. Oh, man, I'm a young pastor. I'm in a church. I really don't know what I'm doing. Boom, this is perfect, right? It speaks directly to me, speaks directly to Michael, speaks directly to all of most of our pastors because they're young, right? And so when, 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 when Paul wrote and he said, listen, do not let people look down on you because of your youth. He says, you set an example for them. You teach the word of God. You live your life in a godly way. You focus on the mission of God and you preach the word and you watch what I'll do through you through the Holy Spirit. You talk about preach, you talk about confidence, you talk about truth that I write on my wall so that I know what I'm called to do. That's because I understand who Paul's writing to in that context. So I got to the truth of what the scripture was actually saying, and then I could apply it to my life. Listen, we can't read the Bible and say always, what God, what is this saying to me? Because most of the time the Bible wasn't specifically written to you. So we got to figure out how to get to the truth, get into the context so that we can apply it into our life. I can't tell you all of that. If you want more about that, ask Michael or go to Heart and Soul. That'd be a great place uh, to learn more about that. The third way that we read the Bible for all it's worth, and this is probably the most important, is we ask the Holy Spirit for help. You got to ask the Holy Spirit for help. I say this all the time. The greatest advocate that we have, the greatest counselor that we have, the greatest helper that God has given us as a Christian is the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. That's what the word Holy Spirit means in Scripture, is that He's our teacher. And so when you sit down to read the Bible, it's okay to say, God, I, I, this is difficult. Help me. Every time I open God's Word, every time I start to prepare for a sermon, my first prayer is, God, help me. Help me see what you want me to see in this. Speak to my heart, God. I want to know you. That's what the Bible's all about. I want to close by, by saying this. My biggest concern about today and preaching this message is I want to motivate you to read the Word of God. I do. That's, that's why I'm here. But here's the thing I understand. If I motivate you, it's only going to last for as long as you walk out of here. And I, Michael, your connect group leaders, can teach you how to read the Bible. That's not an issue. All you got to do is go ask somebody. That's the great thing about our church. But the one thing that we cannot do for you, and I can't do for you, is give you the want to read the Bible, the want to know God. I can't give you that. I wish I could, but I cannot. Only person that can give you that is God, the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's what he does. And so I cannot leave tonight without asking you, do you have a desire to know God? Is the Holy Spirit in you? There's no shame if he's not, but we can take care of that tonight. God says when we hear the gospel, when we hear that God created us to know him, but we couldn't know him because our sin separated us from him. But he sent his son Jesus to pay for that. So that through faith in Christ, if we'll surrender our life to Jesus, he'll give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will empower us and teach us more about God than we could ever imagine. And maybe you're here tonight and you've not surrendered your life to Christ. Well, I want to ask you. I want to ask you to be bold and just say, man, that's, that's me, Billy. That's, that's who I want to be. And 
Billy, tonight I want to surrender my life to Christ. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray for you. Is that anybody in here? You say, Billy, that's me. I want a relationship with Christ. And for the rest of us, I just want you to bow your head real quick. And I want you to ask yourself this question. God, where am I? God, am I reading your word, but I'm missing the point? God, am I not seeing the value of your word? God, am I a person that I just don't have any desire to know your word? In this moment, God's here and he can give you that desire. He can fix you where you can't fix yourself. But you gotta be humble enough to say, God, I need you. I need you to help me. And so I just ask in this moment, we're about to sing another song and Thomas is gonna lead us. I just want you to pray to God and I wanna pray for you and just tell him where you're at because honesty is the only prerequisite to God doing a work in your heart. So God, I just pray tonight. God, thank you for this opportunity to share with these good people in Pooler. God, I just pray tonight that we wouldn't leave the same as when we came in. God, we'd recognize how important your word is. God, the fact that you have good plans for each of us. But God, if we want to walk in those and we want to know you, the word of God has to be an important part of our lives. So God, put a fire in us to know your word. God, show us the importance of sitting down with you alone with your word. God, teach us to do that on a daily basis. Teach us to discipline ourselves to do that. Because God, when we do that, you transform our lives. So God, we love you.